What an honor. What a tremendous honor to be with you today. I am so excited, and I hope and pray you are also. Pastor Don and Carol, thank you. It's an honor to be here with you. And, and Linda and Harry for hosting us over the last couple of days. We, we absolutely being back, it feels like we're home. We live in um, uh, Bluffton, South Carolina now. We used to live here in Raleigh. We love coming back to this area. We are so well connected here, and we too, uh, do truly love our friends. Thank you, Linda. Uh, this morning, I want to start, you know, God is so gracious. He is so gracious. He speaks to his people. He's a God of one. And I hope that as we move forward this morning, you'll start as we go through lots of scripture. And I do have lots of scripture to share with you. I hope you'll begin to see and understand what the spirit of God is saying to the church today. This is not going to be a Mother's Day sermon, and I do apologize to you mothers that are here, Um, but if you feel like I do, and I'm sure you do, there's no greater honor than seeing your family walk with the uh, the Spirit of God. There is no greater honor. So today, that's what I'd like to share a little bit with you about. I want to show you on the screens if they have the screens ready. Um, This is my family. My daughter got married back in September, and uh, so I can't be with my, I plan to be with my daughter later today. She lives in Garner, uh, North Carolina. My son and his family, they are also in Bluffton. And then the next slide is my son, and that is a goat, and that is my kitchen. (laughs) So that tells you a little bit about my crazy life. Uh, My daughter in the middle and on the far side is my father and my mother. My father pastored a church for 50 years. He was a church planter. He planted five churches. He sang in gospel groups across the country with a group called Freedom Heirs. He went to be with the Lord about 10 years ago. My mother today is 91 And we're very, very, very blessed to have her with us today. So we're a blessed family. So if you are ready to get into the Word of God, I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles, and I hope and pray that you do, that you will turn with me into Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading from the Scripture, Acts 1, 1 through 9. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he predestined himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God and gathering them together, he commanded not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the father had promised, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
And so they had come together and they were asking him, saying, Lord, is this the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, even to the utmost parts of the earth. And then after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And the cloud received him out of their sight. Heavenly Father, gracious King. We pause before you. We come into your presence with thanksgiving on our hearts, God. We are grateful, Father. We are grateful we're here. We're grateful we're alive. We're grateful that you have saved us. We're grateful, God, that you move in our lives. We're grateful that you hear our prayers. We are grateful, God, that we can come into your presence and be renewed and restored, re-energized. So, God, I pray this morning that you join us, Father, in this place, that your spirit take charge, God, of this service, that you open the eyes and ears of every man, woman, and child in the sound of my hearing. And God, that you restore their broken hearts from pains from long ago. That you restore their physical bodies from sickness and disease and ailments. And God, as we come before you looking intently in your word, we ask you to restore our lives. And bring us, God, into your precious presence this day. So that you may be honored in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' mighty, holy name, I pray. Amen. 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 Okay, John said this. Jesus said this first. He said, I must go to my Father. John 14, 28 says, You heard that I say to you, I go away and I will come. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I go to the Father and the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens so that when it happens, you may believe. Today we're going to be looking at the biblical truth of the ascension. We're going to talk about what it means in our own personal lives and how we can live a richer, fuller life for Jesus Christ as we grasp the importance of his final earthly ministry. The ascension of Jesus was for Jesus to be exalted to his supreme position. It was for him to leave us his spirit. The ascension was so that he could finish his redemptive work. It was for the empowerment of the church. I want you to hear me. It was for the empowerment of the church. It was for triumph over all powers of darkness, 
all powers of principalities, all powers of spiritual wickedness in high places. And it was also a time for Jesus to go and prepare a home for you and I that truly believe. We sometimes fail to acknowledge the importance of the last acts of Jesus Christ as he walked this earth. We teach on his death, we teach on his burial, and we teach on his resurrection. But little is said about his ascension. From the time of resurrection to the time of his ascension, he walked on this earth 40 days. So I ask you, what did he do for the last 40 days that he walked on this earth? I ask you, what would you do, church, if it were your last 40 days? What would you want others to remember of you? Would you be sowing into the lives of others or would you be savoring every moment for yourself? You see, the ascension is central to the redemptive work of Jesus. So that what can you and I learn as we walk through these passages together? What can you and I learn about the ascension? Jesus walked on this earth to teach you and I about kingdom living, kingdom power, and kingdom authority. He came to show us how we can enter into the kingdom, what we are to do and to teach about the kingdom, and how we're to live once we are in the kingdom. The last 40 days Jesus spent here on earth after his resurrection was spent teaching his disciples what to do and what to teach regarding the kingdom. So as we move forth in this service today, I want you to ask yourself a few very, very, very important questions. How do you and I as believers live out our kingdom assignment? How do we carry out the responsibility given to you and I by Jesus Christ himself? How do we move in such a way that the kingdom of God is advancing? How do you and I live out this life that we say that we believe? So I ask you, think about these questions as we look at the word of God. The message is simple. It's repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Do we know the message, church? Do we know the message? Yes, we know the message. Living it out might not be quite so easy, right? But Jesus did not leave us empty-handed. He did not leave us empty-handed. So today, all over the world, believers celebrate the Day of Ascension. Now, you might ask, what is the Day of Ascension? The Day of Ascension is the day that the Lord arose from earth He was taken up into the clouds, into heaven, and he took his rightful place at the right hand of God. Do you hear me, church? This past Thursday, Holy Thursday, was the 40th day after resurrection. The death, the burial, resurrection, 40 days on the earth, the 40th day was the day of ascension, And then 10 days later was Pentecost. What is Pentecost? The birth of the church. And you can talk back to me if you'd like. (laughs) 
Ten days later was Pentecost. Okay, so why was this day celebrated? Let's think through this. The reason ascension is celebrated because it's the proof of our victory, church. I need you to hear me. It's celebrated because it is proof of our victory. Jesus being the firstborn from the dead opens all of heaven for every believer. He opened all of heaven. He completes his redemptive work. He takes his right hand at God the Father. This day is a celebration of the kingship of Jesus Christ. And it's important in the life of every believer. So I want you to hold on. I'm going to give you some reasons why this day is necessary. First of all, if you take notes, you might want to write, the ascension of Jesus Christ was to exalt God, Jesus, to the supreme position, and it marks the completion of Jesus's earthly ministry. I want to say that again correctly. (laughs) The ascension of Jesus Christ was to exalt Jesus to his supreme position, to his supreme position, and it marks the completion of Jesus's earthly ministry. Jesus said, I must go to my father. It, um, it also marks the last appearance of Jesus to his disciples. So what I need you to understand today, his departure was a real event. It was not a figment of their imagination. It was not ethereal. It was his physical glorified body being taken up from this earth into the heavenlies. It was supernatural. It was a reality church. His departure was foretold. His departure was witnessed. His departure was final until his second coming. Now, I need you to hear me. The angels present at the ascension said this, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I need you to hear Jesus will come back the same way he left. Is that important for you and I to know? Yes, it's important for us to know. The word of God tells us this. Many will come in his name and many will declare they are the Christ. You see, there is only one Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is only one way to heaven regardless of what society says today. And there is only one true gospel. Do you hear me, church? Make no mistake He is going to come back the same way he left. Jesus Christ said, I and my father are one. I and my father are one. Meaning the same in essence, the same in power, the same in quality. Jesus said, I and my father are one. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what separates from every world religion. That's what makes the difference between life and death. That makes the difference between eternity in heaven and eternity in hell. Do you hear me? I and my Father are one. Jesus went to Mount Olives and he was taken up into heaven and he took his rightful seat 
at the right hand of God. It's important for you to notice in the scripture because it says he was taken up, meaning God did the taking. And the other important word to hear is received, meaning God did the receiving. You see, he was taken up and he was received. Why is that important to us? Because Jesus said this, he said, my work, I have done the work I was sent here to do. I have done the work I have sent, I was sent here to do. You see, on the day of ascension, ladies and gentlemen, hear this. He took back the fullness of his heavenly deity. Do you understand that he previously laid aside? He took back his rightful place that he willingly gave up for you and I. He took back the keys. He took back the keys. And he gained victory over death, hell, and the grave. Now that ought to make you say hallelujah. Because I don't know about you, but I know where I'm going. And I pray you know where you're going too. Secondly, the ascension was essential so that he could leave us his spirit. He said this, it is to your benefit that I go. Do you hear that, church? It's for your benefit that I go. He said, another will come, paraclete, Greek for my spirit. Hear me, the comforter, the helper, the teacher, the advocate, the spirit of truth. It's to your benefit that I go. John 14, 16 through 17 says, and I will pray to the father and he will give you another helper and he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because they neither see him or knows him, but you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. Where does the comforter dwell? Where does the helper dwell? He dwells in you. He dwells in all who believes. You have church, the Holy Spirit. My question to you is, does the Holy Spirit have you? He told his disciples, wait for what the Father has promised. Wait for the coming Spirit. Wait to be empowered from on high. Wait. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but I baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, wait for it. He said, I will leave you, church, my spirit. So the ascension was necessary so that Jesus could take his rightful place at God the Father's right hand. It was necessary so that he could leave us, the church, his spirit. The ascension was necessary, ladies and gentlemen, for the empowerment of the church. So Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. Just as God breathed into Adam humanity, Jesus now breathes into his disciples, born again into eternity. And in that breath, he gave them his commission. He gave them his power and he gave them, church, his authority. Do you hear me? With that breath, he gave them his commission, his authority, and his power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They had had his name. They had had his blood. They had had his word. And now by his breath, church, you will receive his power. Hallelujah. Joel 2, 28, we know it well. It says it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all of mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Jesus, through his ascension, conquered, listen carefully, he conquered all this world had to had to hinder or harness his power. Through the ascension, hear me, he conquered all that this world had to hinder and harness his power. And he passed that power on. Now listen, not to a weak, broken vessel, not to a vessel filled with Defeat, discouragement, defilement, or depression. But he passed it on to a vessel full of honor, full of grace, full of power. A vessel without spot or wrinkle. His body, the church. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we forget who our father is. Sometimes we forget who's in charge. Sometimes we forget who defeated death, Satan, and the grave. Through his own death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. One day the Lord said this to me in my prayer time. He said, Robin, build my church. And I said, Lord, I don't know where to start. And he said this, start in the one I've planted you. Do you hear that? Start in the one I've planted you. That's important. You see, this day is a a day of celebration of the completed work of redemption that Jesus did for you and I. We have been made perfect church. Hear me. We've been made perfect. We've been made powerful. Do you hear me, church? Powerful. And we've been made purposeful. Everyone say that word, purposeful. Do you understand? By him, in him, through him, and for him, you and I have been made perfect. We've been made powerful. And we've been made purposeful. So what happened that last 40 days that Jesus was on the earth? 
What would you do, church, if it were your last 40 days? How would you change things? Do you know today his intended purpose for your own life? Do you know today your intended purpose for your own life? So what do we teach? What do we do? This body, this vessel, this bride that we are, what do we do and what do we teach? Jesus taught this. He taught kingdom power. Paul in Ephesians taught this. He said, and I hope the screen is up. Yes, it is. He said that the manifold wisdom of God, now hear me, the manifold wisdom of God is to be known through the church to who? What does the screen say? Rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now I'm going to read that passage and I want you to follow along and pay attention to the bolded words because it's going to show you something that's very key to what I'm talking about today in scripture. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, to bring to light what is the ministration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Here we go. So that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known, where? Through the church, to who? To the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Do you hear me? This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness, And confident access through faith in him. In other words, church, we are to make known to the powers, the rulers, and authorities in heavenly places the multifaceted wisdom and power of God through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to know what that scripture says. I was at an altar in Georgia in a church praying for a woman at, um, a woman who had come forth and she, she was so disheveled and she was so weighed down that she could hardly lift her chin up. She was a healthy 30 something year old woman, very attractive, but she was so weighed down you could hardly see her face and she came to the prayer, to the altar, shaking in her hands, just shaking. And I, I heard the Spirit of God say her home is in utter chaos. And I said, I believe the Lord is saying your home is in chaos. And she said, it said is, that, is that correct? And she said, yes, yes it is. And I said, I hear the Lord say you've been carrying this burden all along yourself. And she said, yes, yes, I have been. And she started to weep and cry. And she said, I just can't take it anymore. I cannot take it anymore. She said, my, my stepfather chased my mother and my young brother out into the yard the other night and with a shotgun and tried to kill them both in, in my, in, in my presence. And she said, we called the police and he's in jail and my family is falling apart and I don't know what to do. And she said, there's been utter chaos for years in that family and I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. 
And I prayed with her and I asked her, I said, are you prepared to give Jesus Christ the burden that you have been carrying for these many years? And she said, yes, I am. I said, are you sure that you can lay it at the feet of Jesus Christ? And she said, yes, I can. I can't take another day. And I said, okay. And I prayed for this young woman, this 30-something-year-old woman. And after I prayed and she gave her her repentance to the Lord for trying to take on that burden for herself. And I asked that young woman, I said, by the Spirit of God, Pastor Don, I said, well, pick up your right foot and I want you to shake off the chain that you've been carrying. And I saw her leg and it went like this and And a second time, I paused for a minute and I said, pick up your right foot. And she went like that. And a third time, I paused and I waited a few minutes and I said, pick up your right foot and shake off the chains that have weighed you down. And finally, it was like the strength, every ounce of strength she had, Pastor Don, she finally picked up her foot and shook And tears started to roll and her hands started to go up and she screamed in the sanctuary, I am free in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I am free. The next morning she came in as I was preparing to speak that next morning for the women's conference and she walked up to me and she hugged me. And she said, I want you to know when you told me to pick my foot up, I physically could not lift my foot from the ground. Do you know that's powers and principalities at work? And she said, I also want you to know that last night was the first night in two and a half years that I have slept through the night. Praise God. You see, it is up to us, church, to make the manifold wisdom of God, make it known through the church to powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. Do you understand? Yes. Yes. Praise God. So the ascension was necessary to t- for, so that Jesus could take his rightful position. It was necessary so that he could leave his spirit for you and I. It was necessary so that the church could be empowered, and it was necessary for victory over the devil to take captivity captive. Now, I want you to read the scripture along with me on the next slide, I believe. Oh, no, there it is. And therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. You see, he ascended, hear me church, he ascended to take captivity captive. That means freedom. That means your freedom and it means my freedom. It means everything that has ever held you back, everything that binds you, everything that oppresses you, everything that hinders you, he took 
captivity captive, he disarmed the powers and principalities and made a public spectacle. Now, you might ask this. You might ask, well, Robin, then why am I still oppressed? You're still oppressed because you struggle with the word of God that proclaims victory and that the demonic foe has already been disarmed. Did you hear me? The demonic foe has already been disarmed. You struggle in your thinking because you think I'll never be free in whatever area. You struggle in your thinking that maybe your problem is just too big for God to handle. Now watch out who you come in agreement with. We heard Pastor speak about agreement. The Spirit of God, I love in this place. Thank you. The Spirit, the unity of Spirit of God. I want you to watch out who you come in agreement with. You see, Linda and I, years ago, we prayed with a woman. Her name, ironically, was Mrs. Church. I can tell you that because she does not even live in this state. (laughs) And we, we, we walked with her through prayer of repentance. And I asked her, are you willing to confess your sins? And she said, yes, I'm willing. I said, well, while you confess your sins to the Lord, we'll come in agreement and we'll stand as witness to your confession. And so she started to pray and she started confessing all of her sins and she was crying and her hands and her head and her heart and she looked so sincere and then out of her mouth came this, God, I know this demon is stronger than you. And I said, no, in the name of Jesus, you lying spirit. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we have to be very uh, careful what we come in agreement with. So I want to ask you, what agreement have you made with the demonic foe? What agreement have you made that stands against the written word of God? What lie have you believed in your heart that is in opposition to his word? I so I want to share another testimony. Um, two weeks ago, I was at a Global Media Summit in Dallas, Texas, and I, I teach, I lead a, a group of media professionals there that, um, that have regions. We have connections all over the nation. And my role there this past two weeks ago was to, to teach and to train those leaders how to lead in different parts of the uh, country. And um, a woman uh, uh, that I've known for quite a long time, she asked me, why don't you come and help me select what, we're gonna, what I'm going to wear for the gala? The gala was the finality of the summit, and it was a a very nice dinner in a nice um, in a nice hotel in Dallas. And so I was in her room, and she had a beautiful red dress and a a very ugly white sweater. (laughs) And I said, "I love the dress, hate the sweater." I said, "Don't wear the sweater." And so she said, oh, I think I'll wear the sweater. So she, you know, she put on her dress and she came out and she had a very ugly sweater on with the dress. And I said, oh, this is, I want, I want you to understand, she's a, like a five foot eight, blonde hair, long blonde hair, blue eyes, a size two, 
size two. So I want you to get the picture here just a minute. She came out and she said, no, I think I need to wear this sweater. And I said, no, that sweater does not match that dress. And another another speaker was with us in the, in the same room. And she said, I agree, that sweater's ugly. Why would you wear that sweater with that dress? So we're having this conversation. The night before this precious woman, she said, Robin, I want you to pray for me because I have a, a uh, I have a, I struggle with perfectionism. I'm a perfectionist and I'd like for you to pray with me. And I said, well, before we go home, we get the opportunity. I'd love to pray with you. So the red dress and the ugly sweater story. So my friend pipes in and she, and she's very fashionable, uh, woman. And she said, I agree. That sweater is ugly and you do not need to wear it. Well, this beautiful model like woman starts to shake. And before we had gotten into her room, she kept saying, I don't think I'm even going to go to the gala. I just don't feel like I should be here. I feel like I need to get out of here. And we were like, why? It's with all of our friends. It's with all of our associates. It's a great time. Why would you leave now? I've got to get out of here. So I said, the red sweater should go. And she started to shake. I can't. And I stood up and I looked this beautiful, beautiful 30-something-year-old woman in the face, another 30-something-year-old woman. And I looked her in the eyes and she said, you don't understand. They'll judge me. And I said, no. In the name of Jesus, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's the reason you're a size two. I said, will you now confess your sin of allowing others to be your judge. I said, there's one judge, and that's God Almighty. And I said, Apostle Paul said this, if I were still trying to please people, I would no longer be a servant of God. And she started to weep, and she said, I confess, I confess. And as we stood there and she confessed and I prayed for her, she looked in my eyes and she said, I'm free. She said, you don't understand. I've never worn a dress in the last seven to 10 years without covering my arms. Size two, size two. Because I was afraid that I, this exercise leader who has a ministry of exercise across this nation, struggled, believed the lie that she could never be good enough. Ladies and gentlemen, it's important that you ask yourself, what lie do you believe in your heart? What lie do you believe? I talked to her last week before I got here, and she said when she got home, her husband said these words to her, even your countenance looks different now. Beautiful. So we can see that Jesus passed this responsibility not to the pastor only, not to the deacon only, not to the teachers only. He passed the responsibility of walking in freedom on to the church. 
Jesus already accomplished the work. He disarmed the rulers. He disarmed the authorities. He took triumph over over them. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities and made public display of them, having triumphed over them. Do you hear me, church? The work has already been done. He's already done all the work that he will ever need to do for you and I. And now he breathes his breath and the birthing of the church comes forth for all believers who would follow him, for them to walk in his power and his authority. He ascended on high. He took captivity captive and he gave gifts to his people. So see, today we choose to celebrate the freedom that we have from his ascension. We choose to celebrate the fulfillment of his complete Redemption. We choose to celebrate the gifts that he's given you and I. Church, we've been saved. We've been sealed. We've been sanctified. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed, restored, renewed. We were dead. Now we've been made alive. We were down. We've been raised up. We have a spiritual inheritance. We've been set free from the bondage of Satan, freed from the kingdom of darkness. And now, church... We're in the light. Does that make you want to celebrate today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How important is the ascension? The ascension of Jesus Christ is necessary so that he could finish his redemptive work. He said, Jesus did not enter by blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all, by his own blood, securing, securing eternal redemption. You see, he paid the ultimate price. And what did he declare on the cross? It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. His disciples, his followers, 10, 10 of the 12 would die a martyr's death. Judas would die by his own hand. John would die a natural death. And his disciples would watch him suffer. They would watch him die. They would watch him resurrected in his glorified body. And the last 40 days of Jesus' life, as he walked on this earth, they ate with him, they studied with him, they walked with him, they watched him as this natural world had absolutely no limitation on his physical glorified body. And then lastly, they watched him being carried up into glory. And I tell you, church, at that very instant, Everything changed. Their lives would never be the same. They were sure now that they would give up their life for the sake of the gospel. They were sure now they would complete the mission they had been assigned. They were sure now that their life here was only temporary and that there was an everlasting life awaiting them. They knew at that instant 
it's all true. It's all true. You see, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. For all who have been led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Yes, Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins, so we have something to celebrate. And I said earlier, Jesus was taken up into the cloud. That cloud was the Shekinah glory of God, and it came to receive his son. What is Shekinah glory? It's the weighty, tangible presence of God. It's the manifest presence of God that we felt, Matt, while you all were leading worship. We get a picture of it on the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember the account in Matthew 7, chapter 17? Do you remember Peter, John, and James were standing on the Mount, and they watched Jesus being met up in the clouds, Moses, who represented the law, and Elijah, who represented the prophets, the old and the new, now together in glory, final and complete picture of our redemption and his second coming. While Peter was speaking, a bright cloud enveloped him and a voice out of of the cloud said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down in terror. Remember the tabernacle, the glory cloud was there. Remember Solomon's temple, the glory cloud was there and it was so thick, the priest could not stand to minister. The Shekinah glory is the cloud that Jesus was enveloped in and taken up into heaven and it was the tangible, weighty presence of God himself. And you can experience that kind of presence we did this morning. You can experience the presence of God when you're outside of the church walls too. I'll go through the grocery store, Pastor Don, and I'll start at the beginning and I'll start praising God. As I'll walk through the aisles, up and down the aisles, I'll praise him and I'll praise him and I'll praise him. And by the time I get to the frozen food section, I can hardly stand. His weighty, tangible presence is with me. Our glorified Savior was being received back into heaven. I want you to hear this. There were two men, two men dressed in white, these angels from heaven in their presence. And he said this, men of God, why do you look so intently? Don't you have a mission to do? Don't you have work that you have to go finish? Don't you have a a message to carry forth? You see, it's as, as if they were implying, why men of God are you standing here when you have something else that you need to go do? Go now, do your assignment. The presence of God has a sanctifying work in the hearts of men. His people being sanctified by his glory. 
We see the Shekinah glory in the tent of meetings. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout generations at the entrance of the tent of meetings before the Lord where I will meet with you and speak to you there. I will meet the Israelites there and it will be sanctified by my glory. I'll meet you. I'll speak to you. I will sanctify you. We see it in Solomon's temple again when the priests came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord. So the priest could not stand to minister because the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled this house. So you may ask, what ushered in the coming of the Holy Spirit? First and foremost, his ascension did. But also, the the disciples, their unity, hear me church, their unity ushered in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Their prayer ushered in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Their generosity ushered in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and the love that they had for Christ in their hearts ushered in the coming of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 50 through 53 says this, and he led them out to Bethany and he lifted his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. And after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And there were continually in the temple praising God. Pentecost was coming and the Holy Spirit would usher it in. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one accord in one place. Herein lies the message today. One accord. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Do you want more of his power flowing through you? Do you want to be used for kingdom expansion? The Bible says they were one accord. This is the template. It's the model. It's the design for the church to be effective. We're called to live together in Christian fellowship. We're called to be a body of one. We are called to be united in purpose and mission. So I ask you, church, what if it were your last 40 days? The world is waiting for saints of God to take their position in the heavenlies. The world is waiting for saints of God to flow in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. The world is waiting for saints of God to get on their knees and push back the powers of darkness. You see, this world is now groaning under labor pains. It's pining away. It's in a state of decay. You can read the scripture for yourself. I won't read it. But yes, we know that is true. When we look at our nation right now, we see marriages of homosexuals in what once was called our holy sanctuary. We see transgender population being taken care of over the protection of our children. We see divorce skyrocketing because the uh, rise in addiction to pornography. Yet church, we have the answer and your pastor gave it when he started. Second Chronicles 714 is the solution for our world today. We cannot complain Unless we pray. If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. I will hear, I will forgive, and I will heal. If you look in your Bibles at Acts 2, 20, uh, 42 through 45, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone felt a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all who had believed there together and they had all things in common. They began selling their possessions and property and they were sharing them all with anyone who might have need. This completed understanding of the ascension, changed their lives forever. And they went back to Jerusalem with great joy. These men who would be martyred, burned at the stake, hung upside down on a cross, beheaded, yet they were willing to die for what they believed in church. Constant prayer, generosity, sharing, They were being used as agents of God's power, freely flowing. While the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want to just take a minute and share my my personal testimony. Are we good on time? Are we okay on time? Getting close. Okay. Okay. Um, My personal testimony, I, um, years ago, I was... um, I was praying to the Lord. I wanted more of his power. And he said this. He said, then repent of playing Dungeons and Dragons. I was a young woman, young small children. I said, Lord, I haven't played that. that, I haven't played that game since I was in college. And I just did it a few times. And I said, it was just a game. And he said this, Robin, it was not just a game to me. And me sitting in my living room by myself, the Holy Spirit fell and I was enveloped in his love and my life was forever changed. I could tell you everything changed. You might ask this, then why is there weakness in the body? I want to give you three quick reasons. We've not taken our position in Christ. We do not understand that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And we refuse to give it all. So, um, I want to say this. Um, one time I was laying on my sofa, and I, I'm going to skip through some of this. I was laying on my sofa, and I cried out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I want more of your love. I want more of your love. And he said this to me. He said, Robin, to understand my love, you must first understand my pain. And then he said, you must pass through the fire and the water. And I said, Lord, do you mean to be saved? And he said this, he said, you must pass through the fire and the water. I said, Lord, I don't understand. You mean everybody must be filled with the Holy Spirit to be saved? He said, you must pass through the fire and the water. And I said, God, what about those who believe on your name? And he said this, if they truly believe, they'll be baptized in my spirit. I said, God, that sure narrows the gate. He said, now you understand my pain. 
I want you to hear me. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit the moment you believe. Do you hear me, church? The infilling comes when you decide to give God all. When you give him all, when you give up control, when you give up desires, when you give up your priorities, when you push your intellect out of the way. Isaiah 43, 2 says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Ascension was necessary so God could, to Jesus could take his rightful position. Ascension was necessary so he could leave us his spirit. Ascension was necessary so that the church would be empowered. Ascension was necessary to take victory over the devil, to take captivity captive. The ascension was necessary to allow Jesus time to prepare for our heavenly home. He did ascend. He's coming back the same way he left. He's going to prepare a place for you and I. I ask you, what will you do with your last 40 days? What will you do to fulfill your earthly mission? And will you take the good news of the gospel forth? Will you be ready when he comes? In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself where I am There you may be also. I said, Father, how do I build the church? He said, Robin, one stone at a time. I'd like to ask the music if you'd come up, please. One stone at a time. Sometimes we get overwhelmed, ladies and gentlemen. We get overwhelmed thinking, can I, can I do this job? Can I do this assignment? I go to church and I hear these things and they touch my heart. And I wonder, can I fulfill my earthly purpose here? Do I know what it is? Sometimes we think, well, it's, it's too big of a job. I can't handle it. I don't have the right gifts. I don't have the right tools. I don't have the right words. I don't have the right ability. But you see, we just learned in Scripture, you have everything you will ever need to be successful in this lifetime. You have every tool, everything that you will ever need in God to accomplish the divine purpose in which God planted you here to do. Sometimes we wait. We wait too late To find out when we get to the end of our life that we have not done what we were called to do. I ask you, do not wait. Time is short. We're in a season in our, in our, in our country where we're seeing things that I never dreamed I would see in my lifetime, Pastor. And I know you all. Who would have ever dreamed these, that homosexuals would be married and In holy sanctuaries, they're no longer holy. I want to ask you, are you willing to take your position in the heavenlies? You've already been granted. We we died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. 
We arose with Christ. And now we're seated with Christ. And all the devil has to do is trick you. All he has to get you to do is believe in your heart one lie. One lie can keep you from your destined, intended purpose with God. One lie. He doesn't need a horde of lies for you to believe. He doesn't need a, a lot. He'll start with the word and he'll twist it in your mind. He'll get you to believe something in your heart. I can't do this or I'm a failure. I'll never succeed. I'll never win. I'll never see victory over this problem. I'm here to tell you today, if you're honest with God, any problem you have, you are guaranteed victory if you're sincere with God. The problem is never on God's side. It's never on his side. He wants his body whole. He wants us strong. He wants us complete in him. He did the work. So what are we doing? We should be either stretching our arms out to him for him. God, heal me. Or God, show me what I need to do for your purposes. Heal me so I can go forth. Show me what I'm created to do in this life. There's no greater purpose in my life than to see someone come into the kingdom. There's no greater joy. And I've I've experienced a lot of joy in my life. You know, the birth of a child, you think that's joyous. But to watch someone walk from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, there is no greater joy you can ever experience. And we sit in the church and we think it's all finished when we come in the door. But it starts here. When those doors open, we go out and we do the mission that Jesus created us to do. And your last 40 days, you don't know when that might come to an end. I had a situation, I shared this with the women, perfectly healthy, never did anything outside of an aspirin for a headache. Perfectly healthy, and one day I woke up and I could not lift a glass to drink it. Could not lift a glass. And I said, I said, you know, I must have just pulled a muscle. And um, my sister family came in for our daughter's graduation and they said, no, you've got to get, you've got to get seen immediately. And we were going on a family vacation to Italy that next day. I said, I don't have time. My house was filled with company. I had out of town guests. I had packed for the, for the vacation in Tuscany. And I said, I don't have time to go to a doctor. I just pulled my muscle. No, you need to go. And I walked into a, a clinic And the doctor looked at me and he said, I'm very sorry, Robin. He said, it's neurological. I didn't even know what that meant. I walked out going, I'm a healthy woman. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? And so I went uh, on my vacation. He said, as soon as you get back, you get into the Mayo Clinic. You get down there. So as soon as I got back from the vacation, I said, I'm not going to the doctor until I go to the church. I went to the church and I had them anoint me with oil and pray the prayer of faith over me, church. Pray the prayer of faith over me, pastor. And the neurological team at, at Mayo said, 
They gave me four diagnoses. They took three off the table. They left me with one. The one they left me with has no treatment, no medication, no hope for survival. Two, de- two years you'll be dead. Last month, I should have been in the grave. Last month. I'm here to tell you, church, my God is more powerful, has no limitations. There are no limitations to my God. There are no limitations. And when I went back for my follow-up visit, they said this, we cannot explain to you, Robin. We have no explanation. I said, I have my own. I have my own. Thank you. I don't need yours. I have my explanation. My God is great. And I'm here as living testimony to the power that we, the church, need to make known to powers and principalities. That's the power of my living God. So I'm going to close with this. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask anyone who wants prayer to please come for any reason at all. If if you've never given your life to God, today is the day of salvation. Do not leave this place without praying with one of us. I want you to know today is the day. And any other reason that you might want prayer for, I want you to come. Whether it's to to hear from the Lord, what's what's your purpose here? What's his plans for your life? We'll pray for you that God will give you that wisdom and that guidance in that direction. And for the others that want to leave, please feel free to leave. So let me say a prayer and then I'll open the altar. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. God, we're thankful that we serve a living Savior. We are thankful that we serve a God who hears his children's cries. God, you do not miss one. You know the pain that we've walked under. You know the struggles that we face, God. You know the the weight that has been on our shoulders, Father. You and you alone, God, can handle these things that we cannot handle. So, Father, for every person in this room, God, I pray. Father, I pray that hearts are healed from being ripped apart. God, even as children, even as memories start to flood through their minds of times that they were hurt, even as a child, or perhaps they were the perpetrator, the one who hurt. God, I ask you to speak to their hearts that they are set free from the bondage of their past. God, I pray today that they are set free from the the weight that has entangled them, God. I ask, precious King, that you open their eyes and ears to the truth of your spirit as you minister to them, Father. That they are truly transformed today. As they go out into the streets, God, that they have a mission, they have an assignment from you, God, to take forth the good news that we've been saved, sealed, and sanctified. God, that we want to help others come into the kingdom of light. Use us, Father, as those tools for your instrument of glory. And Father, as the people come forth, I just ask you to touch each and every one of them with a special blessing, God. A special blessing. And Father, I know that your name and your word 
and your power is above all things. So we give this altar to you that it's sanctified by your glory. And Father, as your people come forth, may their hearts be healed and lives transformed, that they will be used for your purposes. And Father, I ask for this church that the blessings flow, that anything that's come against this church, this pastor, his family, his loving family, and all the leadership in this this house, God, I pray a special anointing on them that the burdens that they have carried be lifted from their shoulders, Father, and that the freedom flow in this house, God, and they be used in a mighty way to bring in the multitudes because there's a multitude dying, God, and we need them to come in. And so, Father, I pray today that every mother is blessed that every mother's child in this house is saved. I pray as they go forth, they can feel your love and anointing and power. Be with them in Jesus' mighty name, I pray.